Girlfriends, episode number 323, Ideas to Help You Savor Summer. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. Summer is on its way, ready or not. I've got some ideas to share to help you to savor the season. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriend, how are you? Thank you for being here. Always happy to connect with you here. So this week, we are talking about summertime because here it is, ready or not. And you know, we moms, I think we have kind of like a love-hate relationship with the summer season. For moms whose kids go to school, this is a switch in routine where your kids are going to be home all day, every day. And that comes with its own blessings and burdens, as we all too well know. Um, also, if you homeschool, then this changes your your circumstances and usually your daily schedule as well. But usually there's a switch in routines. And sometimes that's a little bit challenging for us as moms. Um, but I think that it's really helpful to kind of have a plan going into the summer season. And um, I, in the past, I remember as, as a homeschooler all these years, summertime was like, I was just so glad to put books away and kind of be done with that. And I kind of didn't want much of a schedule or routine or something that was going to restrict me or the kids in any way. So I kind of moved away from that. But there were some years where I did that probably too much and the kids had no routine and nobody had chores and that kind of thing. And pretty soon I realized like summertime was turning into like me just slaving, (laughs) picking up after everybody in a way that I got really resentful about. So uh, I realized through the years that it's really helpful to have some kind of a plan in place. You don't have to be too structured or regimented, but I think really you're going to enjoy the season more and you're going to enjoy this time as a family more if you have a little bit of a plan going into it. And I I really want to encourage you to savor the summer because you know what? Here in New England, where I live, in the frozen tundra of New Hampshire, summer is way too short. And I'm sure it is wherever you live as well, that it's a a fleeting season. And you can think, oh, I'll do that in the summer. We'll get to that in the summer. But then if you don't actually put it on the schedule, it doesn't happen. Like, Like right now, looking at the summer for our family, like... Things are booked up. We do have plans, you know, for for many of the weekends already and um, fun things planned. But if you're not kind of intentional about it, you can all of a sudden just blink and summer's gone and you haven't enjoyed it the way that you really could have together as a family or as an individual or as a couple with your husband. So I want to encourage you to give some thought to this today. And I'm going to share some ideas for you that you can take to heart and think a little bit about how they might apply to your plans for this year's summer season, whether it's a new season where your kids are home from school or a new season where your kids aren't doing their regular homeschool work at home. Um, Things are different and we really can benefit the most from this change, this time of transition and this time of renewal if we're intentional about it. So I'm going to share it. Let me look at my list here. I have six ideas I'm going to be sharing with you here today. So the first one is be present. Now, this is sort of a concept that we all kind of struggle with, right? Being present, enjoying the moment. There's so much in motherhood that people will tell you that about. And let me tell you, in years when you're struggling with like a, you know, a colicky newborn or a toddler who's trying or a challenging teenager, people telling you to enjoy every moment is so annoying. 
Like, I'm not enjoying this moment. And it's okay if you're in a moment that you're not particularly enjoying. But on the whole, during the summer season, I think that we can be more conscious of deliberately taking time to be present in the moment and to enjoy some of the little things that are really fun and uh, pleasant and can bring us a lot of joy during the summer season. So making an effort to be present in the moments that you share together with your family, this might mean making regular times where you put technology aside. I know, how dare I even suggest that, but you and your family will really benefit if you have times that are kind of phone-free, whether it's like in the evening when you're at dinner time, or if you want to make a certain afternoon in the week, one where you're staying away from technology, not watching television, not on computer screens, not scrolling through your phones. It really is something that we have to be intentional about in our culture today because it's just too easy to get sucked into screens. And that's a terrible way to spend your summer. You don't want to look up from the screen and all of a sudden your summer's gone, right? And you don't want your kids to have that experience as well, whether it's video games or social media or, you know, whatever it is that they're they're liking to do on screens. I think limiting how much you're on screens can really be helpful, can do a lot to work toward being fully present in the moment. Now, this is uh, very much a theme. This, this being present in the moment is very much a theme of my book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, uh, that we talked about a few episodes ago. But truly, this idea of being present is something that we have to be intentional about. And that doesn't mean you're going to love and you know savor every second of your summer. But there really are small joys associated with summer, like, you know, just going out for ice cream or just sitting and feeling the warmth of the sun on your skin or going for a walk or uh, visiting a lake or going for a hike in the woods. These are things that are truly enjoyable, that are unique to the season. And wherever you live, you're going to have your own things that are unique to the season where you live. But being intentional about really being present in the moment and enjoying them, I think really can add a lot to the kind of joy that you experience as an individual in the summer season. But making some rules and and some structure about how you do that together as a family can really benefit your family and set a really good example of being present in the moment to your kids, enjoying those tiny joys, those tastes, those sounds, those smells, and those sights of summer. So Make a plan to be fully present, whatever whatever that looks like for you in, in your particular state in life. All right, the second way I want to encourage you to savor your summer is to make a list. This is something we've done for a few summers now, and um, we haven't done it yet this year, but I it's on. I have a list of things to do, and make a list is on my list. Um, so what you can do, what I'm talking about here is you can, you know, you can do this on your own, like a list of things, experiences you want to have, things you want to do this summer. Um, but I really encourage you to get your family's input because when we do this, this is fun. Um, writing up a list of the things you want to do this summer. So, you know, not really like the big stuff, like go to Disney World or or whatever, you know, vacation you might have. But some of the smaller things that you feel like, oh, there's going to be tons of time for doing that. And then, you know, then there isn't. So some of the little things that, you know, my kids and I will put on these are like going for a hike. We might list a certain place where we want to hike that's nearby. So it's really just sort of a morning that we might spend doing that. Also, things like making a, a campfire in the backyard. Uh, maybe you want to do a camp out in your own yard. Some people like to do that. Um, you know, having a, a family movie night or maybe watching a movie outdoors with a projector, that's really an easy thing to do. We've had a lot of fun doing that. And you don't really need much beyond the projector. You can 
can um, project the movie right onto a, a sheet that you hang up outside. And it's really kind of a fun, a fun way to enjoy a movie outdoors. Um, think of the things that you only can do in the summer, whether it's like going out for ice cream or going to visit a lake nearby or, you know, catching fireflies in the evening. These are kind of simple joys, small things that we enjoy in the summertime, things that really mark the season for us. And that if you don't make a list, you might not get to it. And the fun thing about making a list is, especially when I've done this together with my kids, and especially when the kids were a little bit younger and we would do this, we'd make the big master list and, you know, it might have like 50 things on it. And then we'd put it up somewhere like on the refrigerator or something. And then if you find yourself with like a Saturday afternoon that you have free in the summertime, go and look at your list, see what what you might get inspired to do based on that list. And this really, I think, is a fun thing to do together as a family, making up the list together, because everybody feels invested in it. And it feels like a, a fun kind of, you're already on the same team as a family. And it gets everybody thinking about what things you do enjoy doing together as a family. And then when you're doing those things, if they've been on a list and you're doing them because they're on your list, you you feel really extra invested in that time. And like it really is a special time for you and for your family. So when you have that moment where you're, you're kind of have some free time or you're bored or their kids are whining that there's nothing to do, go to the list and see see what's on there. And yeah, don't put extravagant things on there. Put things you can do just in a few hours, perhaps, or even less than that. Um, you know, the different kinds of things, like maybe like decorating your your sidewalk with chalk or, or you know, very small things like that, that take a very little uh, planning ahead and not so much time. Like you don't want to put on there like, you know, a three-day trip somewhere. You may be planning that this summer and maybe that's a separate list with the the longer term things, but make this a list of very doable things, but things that are kind of unique to the summer season. Maybe things like going strawberry picking or blueberry picking or, you know, visiting a, a farm or um, some other local thing that you enjoy that maybe you haven't done for a few years and maybe you might not get to if it's not on your list and you're not thinking about it, make that list. And and you know what? If you don't have your family's input, you can also make this list yourself and kind of consult this list when you have an opportunity to do something together as a family or, or even on your own. All right. Number three, I want to encourage you to eat fresh foods. Yeah, I know. We should always be eating fresh foods. But in the summer, it's especially easy to do because you can go and visit a farmer's market. Um, you can sign up uh, f- with a local farm that many of them do this. I think they're called CSAs. Tell me if I'm getting those those letters wrong. Um, but you can sign up and get a delivery of locally grown fruits and vegetables uh, throughout the summer season, even, even into the winter in some places, depending on what the options are. But look for an opportunity to do that because the summer is a great time to experiment with delicious new foods and how you might prepare them. So this is really a a real intentional way that you can savor summer is by tasting some of those things. You you might grill outdoors. You might make it more of a habit to grill outdoors. You might try a new recipe for a salad. You know, just talking about this is reminding me that last summer, I came across a recipe for a coleslaw salad. It was like part coleslaw and the other part like pasta salad. And it was a huge hit. I'm going to I'm going to make a note right here in um, my notes because I I want to share that recipe with you. But you might have a recipe for a particular salad that you like or you might explore a new one. Just some way of eating fresh foods. It's one of the benefits of the summer season, especially if you live in a place that's 
cold or, or partly cold the, the rest of the year, um, looking for ways to really enjoy eating fresh foods is a wonderful opportunity to try something new and really experience the season in a new way. Another thing along those lines that you might experiment with doing is some form of gardening. Maybe you don't think you have much of a green thumb. Maybe you don't have access to a lot of land, but there are a lot of creative ways that you can grow in containers. You can grow all kinds of things, uh, strawberries, tomatoes, blueberries. I've seen them all grown in containers on people's front decks. So definitely you can do that. Um, but if you do have a space, I want to encourage you to try it. One thing that I like to do, and this is a very low maintenance kind of way to garden. We've done larger gardens in the past, um, but it's been some years since we did a really large vegetable garden here, although we have plenty of land for it. I just haven't had the, the time to keep them up. But one thing that I always like to do is have, I have a little space that's kind of right outside the front door and I have a Mary statue there and I'll usually plant some flowers around Mary. So it's a nice little spot for her. But then there's a little plot in the front of that where I tend to put herbs, like, you know, things like basil or, or thyme. Um, what else do I have in there? Oregano. Sometimes I'll plant some lettuces, different kinds of lettuces or spinach and some cucumbers. So it's very small. Um, and, and but it's also very, it's very doable. But then it's very practical, because I love to go out there and just snip some fresh herbs to put into something that I'm cooking, or um, get some some lettuce and cucumbers and just make a super fresh salad in that way. And I can't do that in the winter time. So that's a nice way to really enjoy the season and uh, you know appreciate that it's different from other times of the year and really make the most of that opportunity you have. And you know what? I've done this some years too. If you don't want to grow things from seed, you don't have to. You can go to a local greenhouse and you can get started plants. And a lot of times that's how I'll put in my herbs is I'll get some plants that are started and just fill it in with those plants. And really, this is a nice thing to have a little garden space because it makes it like a built-in excuse for you to get outdoors. And, you know, we don't need an excuse to get outdoors in the summertime, but sometimes that adding that to your routine, like going out to the garden and just spending a little time weeding and watering and um, that kind of thing out there is just a nice opportunity to spend some time outside. Uh, but there might be another activity that you might enjoy doing outdoors. Um, but the gardening one is especially related to eating fresh food. So look for an opportunity to maybe have a little bit of a garden outside this summer. All right, next, I want to encourage you this summer season, it's a way of savoring your summer to try something new. Now, we all have lists of things that maybe we would like to learn, things we would like to do, experiences we would like to have, or maybe something you've never even considered doing before or a challenge you might like to take on. The summer is like a set period of time. You know, even if you're not in school anymore, we all kind of naturally kind of shift our routines in the summertime in a way that can allow us to take on a new project like that. You might challenge yourself physically in some way. Maybe you want to sign up for a bike race. That's not me. <laughs> but maybe, maybe it is you. Maybe you want to do that. Maybe there's a particular trail that you want to hike or maybe you want to try a zip line for the first time by yourself or with friends or with your kids. Think of a way to challenge yourself to do something new, especially physically, that's going to take you outdoors. You know, if you want to sign up for a race, that's always a, a fun thing to do, a running race. There are tons of them all through the summer, not very expensive to register for that. And then it gives you kind of a goal that you have in mind and you're working toward and maybe you're going to get out and, and be running as you're, you're training for that. 
the, the summer that I ran the half marathon with my daughter, Julia, it was so fun, but I really appreciated the, it, it was in the first half of the summer that I was, I was doing the training for this, that it did give me that built-in structure. And I kind of had to work it out week by week. Like, this is what my training's going to look like this week. And this is what's, what it's going to look like this week. And it really did get me outdoors a lot more probably than I would have otherwise. So looking for something new that you can try like that. You know, the bonus is that we we get reinvigorated when we try something new. You know, you're you're awakening your brain to new things, new activities, new ways um learning things. There there might be a course that you want to take. There might be something even available in your local community center or in your library that you could learn something new, learn a new skill. Maybe you want to learn uh, dancing, ballroom dancing. That's on my list. I don't know when I'm going to have the opportunity and when I'll get Dan to sign up with me. But something along those lines, maybe you want to take a, a course at a local community college or um, take a course online. Try something new. I think having that set period of time, like the summertime, these, you know, say three months that we call summer, then, you know, kind of thinking, what could I do inside of that time? What In what way might I challenge myself to learn something new or try to do something new, something that feels a little bit different from what you normally do, a little bit outside of your comfort zone, perhaps a little bit more of a challenge? What will you do this summer? Okay, the next thing I want to encourage you to do as a way to savor summer is to read. So many of us love to read, like out in the yard, in the hammock. Maybe at the beach, you want to bring a book along on your vacation. I have such fond memories of summertime reading as a kid because we would go, we didn't usually go and visit the library during the school year because we used the school libraries, but my mom would take us to our local library at least once a week during the summertime. And we would just check out stacks of books. Like, you know, I would get, you know, start following a particular author or, you know, a particular genre of books and just take them all out. And we would go home with these stacks of books. And what was so fun about it, and you can try this with your kids, because it was a way that my mom really encouraged reading in a way that felt very natural to us was she she relaxed the rules about bedtime during summer. So we weren't going to school. We didn't have to get up as early. So she could relax the rules about bedtime a little bit. And what she did was we still had our regular bedtime in the summer. At least that's how I remember it. But we were allowed to stay up as long as we wanted reading in our beds. So we each had like a little book light. And I remember just sitting in my room with my sister and we each had our own little lights and the fan was running in there. We didn't have air conditioning. And on some of those sweltering nights, we were just sitting and just reading at night, relished it. I loved that. It's a very peaceful time. Um, but also I just really enjoyed reading and sharing that time with my sister. But also I just relished the fact that it was like this time set apart and it felt so different because it was different from our usual at-home routine and our usual bedtime routines. So look for a way to do that. You might do exactly that kind of thing with your family, but look for a way to add reading to your summer routine as well. It might mean you spend a little time in the evening reading before you go to bed, uh, you know, when you might not otherwise. Maybe your summertime reading is going to look like picking up a fiction book, a novel, which isn't the usual kind of reading you do. I know this is me. Like I generally, if I have the opportunity to read, first of all, it's probably going to be an audiobook, And it's probably going to be like along the lines of a self-help kind of book um, or how-to kind of thing where I'm learning, which is great. You know, I really enjoy those, but I, it's much less often that I will pick up a novel to read. And so I'm planning to do that this summer. 
Um, also, yeah, if you have recommendations, let me know. <laughs> One novel that I read um, a few years ago now that I really loved during the summertime was All the Light We Cannot See. And that was a beautiful novel. Um, so anything along those lines, if you have recommendations for me, if you're really enjoying reading, or if you're always enjoying reading a novel, um, let me know what you think, what you recommend for summer reading. But it might be a time to try something even a little more fun, something that my sister likes to call potato chip reading, where it's not so much heavy stuff, but just kind of light and fun and, you know, a, a little bit different from your routine, maybe some kind of chiclet or something along those lines. You might enjoy taking that along to the beach um, just to enjoy a summertime read like that. So if you have recommendations along those lines, I would love to hear them. But yeah, look for a way to do something a little bit different outside of your routine and do a little bit of pleasure reading without any of the kind of burden of, you know, trying to be productive with your reading and trying to have something to show for it at the end. What about just reading for its own sake? And if you're doing this, you're going to be setting a great example to your kids um, to love to read, to learn to love to read. So make opportunities for your kids to do that. It might be a regular trip to the library. Many libraries have summer programs where they encourage kids to read. I know there was a very popular one. I think it was through Pizza Hut or something where if they read a certain amount, they got like a, a coupon for a free pizza at the end of the summer. So kind of like earning that. I know at my library growing up, we would just keep track. And I think that was it. Like, I don't think we got prizes for our reading, but it was fun to kind of keep track and share it with the librarians, the number of books that we had read and the different kinds of books that we had read. And it was a really nice opportunity to kind of build relationships with our local library in that way. So look, for something like that. Libraries are such a great resource for, for families and for helping you help your kids learn to love to read. All right. The final thing I want to encourage you to do to savor your summer is to invite some people over. Yeah, I know. It feels like work, right? It is work. It is work. But we are all called to practice hospitality. We're meant to be opening ourselves up to others and building community wherever you find yourself. And some of the reasons why we don't invite people over are dumb. Like, you know, we kind of build it up in our head, like it has to be like a perfect dinner party, or it's not worth doing at all. Or my house is never clean enough. Or, you know, I've, I've got, uh, I've, you know, we, we kind of put things in the way like, okay, when, when I get the floors redone, then I can have people over. Well, no, Invite people over the way you are right now. Invite them into your space. And the summertime is actually a great way to do that because it can necessarily be more casual. You can just have people over for like for a fire in the evening. And maybe you have a fire pit in your yard and you're going to invite people over and just have like s'mores around the fire. That's a really fun thing to do. Or, you know, eating outdoors, you can cook outdoors, you can have a barbecue. So it kind of feels a little bit less intense than having a bunch of people in your living spaces. Um, but there's no time like the summer to kind of get over yourself with regard to what's standing in the way with regard to hospitality. And yeah, it is a little bit of work, but it's definitely worth the effort. And the effort that you put into building community and maintaining relationships and friendships with the people in your life by spending time with them inviting them over, inviting them into your shared spaces, that's going to reap huge benefits in the kind of joy you have as an individual, the kind of joy you have together as a couple and as a family. So invite some people over. Let go of all of those excuses that I know you're making up in your brain right now. And then just invite some people over. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. 
That's the other thing that I think sometimes gets in the way of our plans to invite people over. We think it has to be this big extravaganza and it's going to cost us a ton of money. We've got to buy a bunch of food and we got to like remake our whole house for it or whatever. But it doesn't have to be that way. Keep it simple. And keeping it outdoors is generally possible in the summer months. And that simplifies it right there. So look for a way to simply invite people over. Practice a little bit of hospitality. That's my little nudge, my little bit of encouragement for you. Okay, so those are my six ideas. Be present in the moment, make a list, eat fresh foods, do something new, read and invite some people over. But you might have some ideas you want to add to my list. How are you planning to savor summer? What has really made a difference for you and your family making the most of the summer months in the past? Let me know. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me through Voxer if you want to leave me a Vox. The link to connect with me through Voxer is always available in the show notes to the Girlfriends Podcast over at ascensionpress.com. Or if you just want to send me a voicemail, you can record a voice memo on your phone and send it at that same email address. I would love to hear from you and I would love to add your voice to a future episode of Girlfriends. All right, coming up, we've got some listener feedback for you about da-da, laundry. You know you want to hear this. Uh, but first, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean and you are listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do. But let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, The Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people, the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. All right, welcome back. We're at the point in the show where I like to share a little bit from you. Sometimes a question that somebody sends to me, sometimes some follow-up or some resources somebody wants to offer, feedback on a topic that we've shared about here on Girlfriends. This is truly how we can make the Girlfriends community more of a community. I love the interaction with you and I love the back and forth and I love the ways that you are able to participate in the podcast. So if you have something you want to send to me, a question you want me to take up in this section or an idea for a future topic, send it to me, danielle at daniellebean.com um, or connect with me on social media. That's what Amanda did. Amanda sent me this question through Instagram. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can connect there. Anyway, Amanda wrote to me in a message on Instagram Danielle, sorry to ask such a dumb question, but how on earth can I stay on top of the laundry? I have five kids and the oldest is eight, so they are really not much help yet. And I feel like I'm drowning in never ending laundry. Maybe you could do a whole podcast about laundry. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Anyway, tell me all your magic solutions, Amanda. 
Okay. So first of all, yes, I could do a whole show about laundry. I love to talk about laundry and that's not because I'm amazing at it, but this is something that really affects our lives as wives and mothers. Generally speaking, we're the ones doing the laundry. Um, We're very much affected by it. And through the years, I've always said, you can tell pretty much how I'm doing in life by looking at the state of the laundry, because if my life is out of control, you can tell because my laundry is going to be out of control. But if my laundry is pretty well, I'm on top of it and it's taken care of, then uh, pretty much my life is in order. (laughs) It's just a, a kind of a symptom, a way that you could tell through the years. And it may or may not be like that for you. But Um, My husband, Dan, has always laughed at me like way back in the day when I was blogging, I would often do blog posts and different kinds of like Q&As and stuff about laundry. He was always like, what are you you talking about laundry again? Like, come on. But it's important. And like Amanda is sharing here, it's it's a real source of frustration when these basic things aren't in place and they feel like they're out of control. It, It lends itself to like making us feel like we're overwhelmed all the time. If everywhere you look and every time, you know, you're you're concerned about the laundry, you're feeling overwhelmed by it and not caught up with it and like it's overwhelming you, then that's going to really detract from your general state of happiness and your sense of well-being in your life as a as a wife and as a mom and as a homemaker. So, it does matter. So, I've I've got four things that I want to suggest to you, Amanda, and people listening, you might have your own ideas. You might be a laundry goddess in your own right. Um, And I would love to hear from you and share that for Amanda as well. But the first thing I'm going to say is do it every day. Do the laundry every day. And, you know, people have various systems. And I know some people only do laundry once a week. I can't even imagine. I can't. Even like now when only two of my kids are still living at home throughout the year. No, I'm doing laundry every day. Like whether it's just a load of towels or it's sheets or it's just the random, you know, socks and whatever that's gotten left around the house. I am doing laundry every single day. And when you've got um, the household that you have right now, Amanda, five kids and the oldest is eight. And you don't tell me if you're doing laundry every day, but I'm just um, I'm going to suggest that that's where you begin. Make sure that you're you're doing at least one load every day. And we sometimes have a mental block about it. Like I'd rather just do like three loads all at once on one day of the week and then not deal with it for the rest of the week. But I find it's much less likely to turn into this mountain of laundry that's threatening to overwhelm you. You're much more likely to feel on top of it if you're doing at least a little bit of it every day. So do some form of laundry every day. And you know, if we stop and think about it, when the laundry feels overwhelming, I, I often would have this kind of conversation with myself because I haven't always been on top of the laundry. Um, you know, like I think my my husband's grandmother, Grammy Bean, you know, she she died years ago at the age of 97. She was still living alone at the time. She was a real, you know, old Yankee grandma and she raised five sons and she had a washboard and a washtub, right? That was how she did laundry. I actually have her washboard now. I use it in my bathroom sort of as like an, a, a decor item, but it's the real thing. It's the real deal. And I think about Grammy whenever I'm in the bathroom and I see that washboard because she used it. That's how she did the laundry. It wasn't just tossing some items in a machine and pushing some buttons like and I'm not saying you know you have no right to complain about laundry because it can be an overwhelming chore it can be a big deal especially when you've got a lot of little kids but let's just keep that in mind and with that in mind think okay I can do a little bit of that every day I can do some 
every day. You know, think of Grammy Bean and her washboard. And you can use your machines, you know, do a little bit of the laundry every day. And this is what I find is so helpful. You know, whatever kind of mess you have struggle, you struggle with just staying on top of, doing a little bit of it every day is really helpful, whether it's like clutter on your kitchen countertops or an area of your house that always is a giant mess. Doing it every day, staying on top of it a little bit every day keeps it from being this giant overwhelming task, right? If you like let the your the clutter in your living room pile up for weeks and then you tackle it, yeah, it's going to take you hours to get out from underneath it. But if that's an area of your home that you know it tends to get cluttered, things tend to get kind of dropped there and left there, spending a little time each day decluttering it in the end, it's never going to feel like this giant overwhelming task and it doesn't take a big time investment to keep on top of it. And the same thing is true with the laundry. Do a little bit of it every day. Whatever mental block you have about doing that, just get over it and do do at least one load of laundry every day. And then the second thing I'm going to tell you, and this is the stickler point for me anyway, do it all the way, all the way. What does that mean? That means wash it, dry it, fold it, and either hang it up in closets or put it in dresser drawers all the way. I don't know about you, but my laundry tends to stay in that last step where I'll, yeah, I'll wash it and I'll dry it and I'll even fold it. But then it just stays in a basket until, you know, and then I realize I'm pulling the clothing out of there instead of out of dresser drawers. And, um, you know, so you might have your own stop in the stage there. Like where, what step do you get stuck on? But do it all the way. And I had to kind of switch my mindset about this years ago and and tell myself, you know, this is a gift that I give to myself because I feel good. I feel better about my life. Like I just told you, you know, I feel more on top of things and it generally is symptomatic of how the rest of my life is going, how on top of the laundry I am. And so this was a gift I could give to myself, doing it all the way, all the way to the dresser drawers, all the way to the closets, getting it put away, getting it actually done, not leaving it in piles all over the place so then your work gets undone as people pile things on top of it or the cat's sleeping on it or, you know, whatever. So do it all the way. And um, the third point I want to make is all of these steps, you don't have to be doing them all by yourself. Maybe you are the, the primary homemaker, the primary person in charge of laundry in your house, but, you know, your oldest is eight. They, they are capable of helping out with the laundry. They are capable of helping to put things away. And when all of my kids were little, I used to sit and fold all of the laundry and then I would call them all and be like, okay, here's your pile. Go put this in your dresser drawers or hang it in your closet. And here's your pile. And, you know, even very little kids are capable of doing that step. The problem was that I needed to follow through and make sure they were doing it because certain kids would always just be like, oh, sure, thanks. And then they like turn around, set it down, go back to what they were doing, you know, um, just really enforcing that they're they're part of that. You, Your kids, some of them might be old enough to help with the folding. Some of them might be old enough to even help with running the machines, believe it or not, at eight, you know, if you're not teaching them these life skills, and I understand it's an investment of your time to teach them some of these basic things. But if you're not teaching them that, then they're never able to pitch in and help out. And I'll tell you this, as a woman who's raised in a household of nine children, and my mom always did all the laundry. Like, 
she didn't want other people touching her machines. And so I ended up, I did my first load of laundry when I went away to college. <laughs> That's insanity in a household with nine kids, right? So um, it's been different here for sure. <laughs> We've started them earlier. And I totally get the thing like, you, you don't want to go to use your, your washing machine and somebody else's stuff is in there, right? Um, so maybe having a schedule about when the machines are used. And this may be just when your kids are a little bit older, Amanda. We did have people have certain days in this household once kids were responsible for their own laundry in some ways. Like they were, they were assigned a, a day or a couple of days a week where they were, that, that's your day to do laundry. And on other days, yeah, you still could do laundry, but you have to work around the people whose day that is kind of thing. Um, that kind of helps mitigate some of the conflicts about sharing machines. Um, but they can help. And you, you want to make sure that you are engaging them in that way. Because first of all, it's doing your kids a favor when you allow them to be contributing members of your household. It's part of how they discern their self-esteem, being part of a community and contributing to that community. This is what we're built for as human beings. So um, look for ways that you can do that and that can lighten your load, haha, <laughs> load, a little bit about the laundry. So um, definitely they can be of some help and you can enlist the help of other people as well. And then finally, this is the, the thing that was just life-changing for me, not even that long ago. Well, it probably was like, eight years ago at this point. Um, but I just had this mindset. And I guess because this was how my mom did laundry, was like everybody's laundry has to all be in the same big pile of laundry. Like we would have, you know, two main laundry hampers in the house and everybody just puts their dirty clothes in there. And that's where that's where you make loads of laundry from. And everybody's stuff is all mixed together. Well, that sometimes makes it a nightmare of sorting and putting away. And I realized this um, years ago when I was doing our family laundry in that way. And I realized that sometimes I would just wash like Dan's and my stuff separately. Most of all, because when um, he had certain clothing items that needed special care or, or I did, or he had clothing items that he didn't want to quote unquote, get lost in the giant mess of laundry that was our household at that time. Um, so I would sometimes just be like, okay, I'm just going to do like a load of just our things. And then I realized once I was separating just our things, those were easy loads. Like if it's just our stuff, it's easy to fold it and put it away. It's all going to like the same bedroom, the same closet, the same like dresser drawers and that kind of thing. Um, so that really simplified it for me. And then I thought, well, why am I not doing this in other ways as well? Like, even if your kids aren't old enough to do their own laundry, which, you know, once they are, having that separate, it, it really simplifies the chore because it's just their stuff. And they can they can wash it, dry it, fold it, and put it away. And it's just going in their, their places. But even if your kids aren't old enough to be doing their own laundry yet, you can do this by separating laundry by kid. You know, even if your kid is four years old, he could have his own laundry hamper, which could be as fancy as just a basket in his room where he puts his dirty clothing and then run that load. Or, you know, if that's not quite enough, run that load with one other kid's clothing, maybe one that shares a bedroom with him so that it's all in one load. And then you're you're washing it, drying it, folding it and putting it away all in the same place. I, I find that that was like life changing for me when I started to do that and kind of enforce that among the kids like we're separating laundry, not necessarily in darks and lights, but by kid. And um, once they are old enough, they can so be responsible for that basket. And one thing that I had to kind of let go of when my kids were old enough to be doing their own laundry, like say they were like 10, 11, 12, then I kind of had to let go of the kind of control that I tended to want to have. Like, 
are they folding it just so? And is it actually getting back into dresser drawers? Like this was a big thing with teen boys. They just didn't see the point. <laughs> like, why would I put this in my dresser drawers? It's clean laundry. It's in my room. I'm going to take it from this basket. And it was a big battle for a while. And then finally, I'm like, okay, I don't care. Like, <laughs> you know, you got to decide what you actually care about and what is worth having a battle about. And fine, I- I'm glad you're you're cleaning your clothing. And I'm hoping that you have a system for making sure the dirty stuff's not getting mixed in with your clean and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, that is part of the the process of letting go and giving yourself that gift of relieving some of that burden that you are feeling, Amanda, where you're feeling constantly overwhelmed by the laundry. So those are my thoughts about the laundry. I'm sure other people have ideas for you too. If you have thoughts uh, for Amanda who is drowning in laundry, what has helped you stay on top of the laundry? What has made it less of an overwhelming chore for you and your family? Let me know. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Thanks so much for the question, Amanda. All right, that's all the time we have for today, but I wanna thank you for being here. Thank you for all the ways you encourage and support the work that we do here at Girlfriends. I'm so grateful for you showing up and being a part of this community. I know you have many things that are vying for your time and attention. So it really means the world to me that you spend a little bit of time with me here each week. Thank you for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 